Before we start this episode, just want to continue to give our thoughts to everybody that has been impacted by this coronavirus. Um, you know, we hope all your friends and family and loved ones are safe. Uh, but as well as that, just want to give a continual thanks to everybody who is out there working, supporting the communities, whether it is um, frontline workers in the medical field like doctors, nurses and other healthcare professionals, whether it is teachers who are still out there teaching students, um, you know, store workers, delivery drivers, couriers, um, and apologies if I have forgot anybody, but uh, just want to say a continual thanks to everybody that is out there and serving the greater needs of the community. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and children of all ages, welcome to episode 25. Can't believe we made it to 25 episodes. It's episode 25 of the Fumble Recovery Fantasy Football Podcast. And we've got what we're deeming almost like a COVID and the start of the season primer. We know season's fast approaching. We know there's been a lot of discussion around how it's going to work, particularly with training camps, particularly with COVID testing, um, preseason games. Uh, and we're here to break that down in terms of the impact on our fantasy football seasons. There'll be a bit of talk on Dynasty and on Redraft because appreciate most people who listen probably play in both um so looking forward to breaking that down uh, starting off with me i have mo hey hey i have chigs giddy up and we have paul evening guys hey 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 okay so before we do start the covid primer uh just want to give a shout out to the dc presidents uh appreciate we, we worked with them on the Twitter Britball Cup recently, also in a league now with Buck in our IDP startup, as we've been discussing over the last few weeks. And we've actually been in talks about doing some more online virtual type events, particularly as at the moment, not really allowed places with crowds. So looking forward to working with the DC presidents and uh, looking forward to one day seeing them. So let's get into it then. We're calling this the COVID primer or start of the season primer. So just a few of the things that have been either agreed or are being rumoured in terms of how the next few weeks leading up to the start of the season is going to work. So at the moment, it seems like players are going to get daily testing for the first two weeks. And then if the rate is low, then they might change that to once every couple of days. Uh, then there's also looking like there's going to be no preseason games. So we'll talk about the impact of that. Uh, reduced mini camps as well going into the season and of course they're still looking to start the season on time but majority of the teams will have no fans or very limited fans so you kind of lose that home field advantage and some teams in particular have really um, made the most of that particularly with the uh, rabid fan bases so first thing that comes to mind for me when you're talking about those changes is the rookies and you think training camp OTAs preseason games is normally when rookies get their chance to shine and just for me I think it's going to be increasingly unlikely that you're going to get breakout players who are undrafted or even drafted in later rounds such as a Philip Lindsay of a few years ago or Preston Williams from last year for example Tom Brady of many many years ago 
So, um, Paul, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on rookies? And I know you didn't have many rookies, uh, rookie picks, I should say. But well, I knew this was going to happen, of course. <laughs> good, good foresight. So, what are your thoughts? You know, let, let's start with uh, the highly drafted rookies. So, you're talking about the likes of your Clyde Edwards Hilaire, your Jonathan Taylors, J.K. Dobbins, C.D. Lamb, DeAndre Swift, you know, Jerry Judy's, all those archetypal first round first round picks. I think you can end up with players having to start a little later than they would do. They may they may not be really taking off till midway through the season, which happens a bit anyway, but there's probably going to be a little bit later. Um I suspect it in in redraft it devalues all of them um a little bit and makes anyone who's and any team who's had one of these real high pro, high profile picks um have the sort of veteran be a little bit more valuable and the rookie a little bit less valuable in my opinion. So with that said, then, are you looking, particularly with running backs, uh, are you looking to handcuff more so than you would normally in, right. say, redraft leagues? I, I will probably be, I will probably try and avoid, if I can, teams in that situation, just because it's going to be hard to actually figure your way through it. I mean, I might there might be something end up falling to me where I can't avoid it, but I think I would rather not have to have that decision in such a such a fairly quickly changeable situation. I, do, I think it's a bit of a shame they haven't. Um, they don't just increase the size of the practice squad in the NFL, you know, dramatically, in order to let people compensate for this. Because it's a bit of a one-off year. They could sit there and stick another another ten spots on that. That is, even if they made it a ten spots only for rookies, just to just to give everyone a bit of a chance to catch up, because it's going to be pretty harsh on the um, on the later round guys for sure, and it's still going to be tricky for the early round guys. So, Chiggs, I'll ask you because I know you drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, for example. So, two-part question. First part, are you trying in Dynasty to get Damian Williams? And part B is if you draft Edwards-Hilaire in a redraft league, are you trying to get Damian Williams? What are your thoughts on this whole situation for fantasy? So, exactly that, right? It's the, it's the difference between a redraft and a Dynasty league. You, when you're drafting one of these players, you're taking them for the long term in dynasty. That's why someone like J.K. Dobbins was still going, you know, as a top five pick in, in rookie drafts, even though he still has Mark Ingram to to be out for the job. And that's people taking him there because they think this guy will give them value, hopefully in year one. But really, they're looking to years two, years two onwards. So I don't think it really changes your strategy from a dynasty perspective. I think if you can get the handcuff, I mean, you can say handcuff, if I can get Damien Williams cheaply enough, then I would try and go out and get him. Mm-hmm. But I suspect now that with all this stuff going on, you know, the price you're going to have to pay to get someone like Damien Williams, who I don't think is going to be, I still think he'll still probably be around even next year, but you know, he'll take, CH will take the lead. I just don't think it's worth the investment, personally. Um, so I'll, I'll ask the question in a different way or with a different lens. If you had CEH and Mark Ingram and one of your uh, opponents had J.K. Dobbins and Damian Williams, would you try to swap Ingram for Williams so you both have the handcuffs in that situation? No. And the reason I'd say that is because I think... With that strategy, you you could run Mark Ingram for the first half of the season, 
you know, whilst CEH is getting up to speed. And then, as a J.K. Dobbins is, and actually by by time he gets halfway through the season, potentially those rookies now become the top dogs. So you've had the production from England for the first half of the season, and then you get CEH's production for the second half. Whereas if you're taking Williams, you're basically cannibalising yourself, really. I mean, you're never going to really start both guys. Um, Don't forget, though, if you, if you do it your... I mean, I think I think most people do what you say. I certainly do. Try generally would try and do that, but I'm not sure it makes sense because why not sit there and have Ingram for the first half until Dobbins takes over, and then you flip it. Whereas if you sit there and say I've got Ingram, uh, sorry, if I've got um uh, Ingram and Ceh, you'll be starting Ingram to begin with, and then Ceh might not take over before Dobbins has. You know what I mean? You you could you could end up benefiting having both, right? But you also could end up having neither starter. Yeah, but okay, but then at that point, then you know, if you've got Ingram for the first half of the season and you get off to a good start, then maybe you go and look to try and get Damian Williams. Then you know, so yeah. I, I wouldn't give up a, a guy for me who I still think will I would start on a weekly basis in Mark Ingram, and the same thing to a degree with Damian Williams as well. You know, you'd say probably for the first half of the season. You want to get off to a good start, right? So actually, the the veteran guy there potentially is the guy you want for the first first part of the season. So yeah, but why not take the rookie in the same team? Sorry? sorry, sorry. Why not take the rookie in the same team? If you take the rookie in the same team, you have you've got a natural handcuff for injuries, actually, and for COVID. But you also have the the progression when they take over, assuming they do, to step in. And if they don't, yeah, I think there's an argument for it. But and and Mo, I'll ask you the quest, same question, but from a different lens, because I know you took two receivers with the two picks yet in the first. So I'll start with Jalen Rager, let's say. If you're drafting Rager in a new startup dynasty league, are you also trying to get someone like Alshon Jeffrey? And same question in a redraft as well. Uh, no, not at all. Um, uh, I think I think Rhaegar, for example, and even Rugs, for that matter, are kind of an anomaly because I don't think they're really in handcuff uh, situation. I mean, most likely, I mean, I, the, the, when I drafted them, I'm, I'm drafting them for the future in, in our dynasty. I, I don't even expect to start them this year. Um, I mean, I, I you know, for, ideally, you, you should have some veteran wide receivers uh, that you've drafted that you would start in place. And this he, this is just going to be a bench here for him. But and, and honestly, like when you look at the Eagles, though, who would you take? I mean, would you take would you take Jeffrey? Would you take um, Deshaun? Because he'd be probably most likely the speedster there. Um, uh, granted, and then you also have Goodwin there who's come on. So it, it's kind mm. of a murky, murky boat there when it comes to Rhaegar situation. Um, in, in when it comes to rugs in Vegas, I think, again, I think they're, they're really you really can't pick a wide receiver. I think he he's going to be on the field the majority of the time. I think Gruden's going to try to get him the ball and try to get him those reps. I think he's, again, and I think both those receivers, for the, for the most part, are going to be a different situation. I think both those teams, they kind of struggle uh, in the passing game, in which case they're going to try to just feed them the ball as much as they can and get those reps in. Um, when it comes, I think running backs is a key when it comes to the handcuffs. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm with Paul on this one. I would probably try to get the handcuff. Now, my, my redraft strategy is going to be totally unique. Um, I right now in redraft, I believe Damian Williams is ranked 35th running back, uh, somewhere around there. Uh, CEH is like the 12th, uh, and I think as you mentioned, you're going to have COVID, uh, COVID, um, I guess uh, 
three week, uh, I guess, sort of an um, temporary IR or so temporary forth. Temporary IR, yeah. Um, you don't have roster spots for that. I mean, you don't. You don't. You're not going to have enough of that. You're going to be dropping those players. Uh, why not? You know, I think. Or I, I think first of all, in a redraft, you should be avoiding all rookies, um, especially if they're valued quite high, even in a handcuff situation. And I would actually aim for the veterans because you know there's a good chance those rookies will be in on the waiver wire, with all with with minimal roster spots. I mean, I think you can pick them up uh, later on, or at least for fairly cheap, uh, if anything. Uh, if you know, if if you have if you have if you have good veteran depth on your roster, and you, you know, uh, and when uh, when other people who have majority rookies, who you know, like you said, they're not going to get the ball to start with, and then you're going to have COVID issues. You're going to have you, you know you're going to you're going to you're going to you're going to need to cut some of these players. Uh, you know, essentially, you know, dead weight in the in the short term. You can't really look long term, unfortunately. You got to look. You're going to have to kind of look on a week to week basis. So, you know, the the person who's streaming the most is probably going to be going to have a leg up if anything and i think you're going to have to have roster spots so personally i would be avoiding all rookies just because of their uh, rookies that are drafted quite high let's put it that way so i would even be avoiding those, CH. even those you are really high on like jonathan taylor or Dobbins. Dow- yes, um I, I think so because I, I i think i would go with mac i would go with ingram um uh you know without preseason uh you know the the, the starters are going to get the ball to start with in my opinion and they're gonna, and I think you know, there's gonna be some weak hands in your league. They'll be like, oh, I can't hold on to Dobbins. I can't, you know, as much as I like him, is he ever gonna get the ball? You know, he's only putting up one point, and you know, there's all these other players in the waiver roster and on the waiver wire. Uh, my roster, you know, I'm gonna have to cut them. And I think you're gonna see that. Uh, I think you're gonna see quite a bit of that, honestly, this year. I, I definitely think that's that's the thing. Like for me, rookies in redraft are not the way to go, given where they're getting drafted. And Dobbins is a classic example of that. You know. A little bit like Nick Chubb was a couple of years ago, where someone probably took him, held him for like the first five or six weeks, but then obviously bye weeks come, injuries, and he hasn't got the job yet, goes onto the waiver wire, and guess what? I think you picked him up, Amir, in in our keeper league, and, you know... I did, and that was going to be my next question, because we've discussed the two extremes in a way, which is dynasty and redraft. What about keeper leagues? Are you reaching a little bit for rookies in keeper leagues, knowing that you've got, depending on your settings, I mean, we have a four-year max window in the league I run, but does your strategy change? I think in your league, in in Amir's league, you get to keep the the player for the pick for the round you take him in. Mm. So that is really valuable. I mean, it was a Kamara that went in the 13th in the startup somewhere around there right 15th wow so suddenly then yeah and i hadn't appreciated the the value of that actually when we're um yeah doing that well what you'll find is after after the first season that when when kamar went in the 15th you suddenly have seen every draft now the rookies really get a premium placed on them so Mm -hmm. you know you will see rookies going in the first and second rounds because no one wants to miss out on that alvin kamara or Evan Ingram or whoever it was that breaks out, right? Yeah. Um, yeah keep, keep the keepers, and I think that comes down to the your you know the, the keepers you currently have, and you know how much value you've got. So if you've got Kamara in the fifteenth, then yeah, I happily reach for a Jonathan Taylor or Ceh, you know, early on kind of thing, because you've got that late round value back. Whereas if I'm keeping Saquon in the first, for example, I'm never going to get. These guys in the, you know, in the second or third. 
Yeah, I, I would actually avoid him again. And then uh, what's going to happen? You got to remember this is going to carry on. All those people that drafted him with the premium, they're going to be keeping those for next year. And all those rookies probably will fall a little bit, honestly, the following year. I've got a question then. I think all of us commission uh, redraft or um, keeper leagues. Are you changing any rules around IR spots, for example, in light of the new IR designation or potential new designation for players? I don't don't want to. I think it... it, We we discussed one way you have first sort of dibs on the backup but I think that's a little tricky because sometimes the backup is someone who'd be drafted anyway and other times they wouldn't be so in it kind of totally changes your um your strategy you almost want to send then you never take someone where there's any any consideration of an almost committee for a running back for example because at that point or you sorry sorry other way around you you, you kind of quite like that but that 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 running back's the second guy will probably be gone already. So you've got no dibs on him. So I, th- I think you almost got to treat it like any injury reserve thing. It's just now it's a bit more lightly. So I think the players need to be aware of that. You know, if you've got fab, that's a lot more important. It's going to be a lot more important this year. You need to keep some back for being able to pick up um, you know, players in the, it, or any part of the season because it could just come randomly. But that, but that, that for me is like any injury, right? You don't go into a season and go, Oh, I think Zeke Elliott's going to get injured in in week ten. Therefore, I need to get Tony Pollard. Like, if he gets injured, you should be going out to try and get his his backup, right? Um, but I and think his price will rise. So but, you, but, I don't think you can. I don't think you can. Um, you don't have first dibs for an injury, or you don't have first dibs for if a player holds out. So if Joe Mixon's holding out. You, no, but yeah, no, I agree. I think was, you've just got to. It's got to be part of the game, and if they're out. Yeah they're out because it's very complicated to sit there and go well then hang on you know would would the would the backup naturally be drafted but if not you get dibs on them it's it's kind of sometimes there's gonna be, yeah. there can be some confusing it, parts it, it, of it's an well, interesting thing as well right it's if you're playing in a dynasty league and your players go down with um covid and, and you know and your your team does badly you're going to get an early draft pick in next year's draft so you still get the benefit, you know, because Dynasty counteracts that sort of, yeah, it's a cyclical kind of game. In a redraft league, there should be enough players on waivers that you can kind of manage. And if you don't, unlucky, you know, you, you go again next year. You know, it resets. So for me, it's just part and parcel of the game. It's a, it's a bit of a freak here. So you, those, those managers that want to take a little bit more risk may get rewarded. It may not pay off. It's... Yeah, and I'll just clarify what the the sort of question was then. It wasn't necessarily for players that get COVID. It was more around players who choose not to play. And, you know, let's say forgo their salary because they don't want to play in that environment. Uh, That's what I was proposing. Because we just Ah, completed a startup draft, it wasn't for any league. It was just where we've completed a startup draft. And then a player, let's say for you, Chiggs, you know, you've taken Michael Thomas and he says, no, I know my missus is heavily pregnant or we've got a newborn, so I don't want to play. I think, should you then get the option to have first dibs at a, a Saints receiver? It was just a proposal. It's not yeah. something that's set in stone. But yeah. no, I, I can see why you why you would. But let's say for me that that is, you know, that's just part of the randomness of the game. And, you know, if Michael Thomas holds out, 
Well, it's a bit shit for me, but. And it's a bit like um, it's is we had in, in one of our the one of the redrafts that the three of us are in, um, the guy who won it the first two years we did it, his first round pick he had Adrian Peterson the year he went down and he had um, uh, so, um someone else a year. Ray White, I think he had Ray Rice. Yeah, you're right. You know, I had it one year where I, both times I um, went um, I think I went. Uh, 12 and 1 or 13 and you know, 13 and 0, something like that, something crazy in my first few weeks. But it got to the playoffs and I had Julio, AJ Green and Melvin Gordon, who were the top scorers in their positions that year, all go down with injury in the playoffs. And you can't pick up any sort of, yeah, there's no one on waivers you can really plug in. It's it's part of the game, you know? Yeah. It's something then, you lose. So, Chiggs, you kind of went zero rb for a while didn't you in um the new league that we just completed yep. given what we've just discussed would you change that and potentially take an rb and try and handcuff them because no. of the scarcity or no, no you still take procedures? if anything i'll go even more aggressively on the zero rb strategy and take these later round you know value guys that i think are len fournette in the fifth or sixth round or have you sony michelle i think you picked up late on guys that will still get the starting job and have touches and be productive but every year that goes on with a running back is another year of shelf life you know eroded away theoretically whereas with a wide receiver actually that extra time to develop and bed in is only going to benefit me in the long run so i'd rather load up on these receivers that i know will you know even if there is a bit of a freak year this year and things settle down next year, they'll be better off for that time, whereas a running back won't. So I'm happy to sort of churn the older running backs and then try and pick up one of the rookies next year and plug and play that way and refresh it. Okay. And so, Mo, then just yourself, with redraft, do you often or ever go zero or late RB strategy? And if you do, would you be less inclined to do that this year? Um, I've never gone zero running back strategy um, in a redraft. Uh, I think I think running backs are are, the, are basically your center your centerpiece to your roster. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think I've ever done that. I don't think I ever will. Uh, I I don't I'm not too concerned with the handcuffing again. Um, uh, most of my redraft leagues we don't have too many waiver spots. Uh, I'm sorry, too many roster spots. So um, even though you have a 12 person league. Uh, I mean, everyone, I guess most of my leagues also think the same way. So everyone does kind of dive into the running pool, running back pool early. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I've ever implemented a zero running back strategy. And I don't think I ever will. Um, I, I do get in dynasty while it makes sense. Um, but even then, I would, I think I just always prefer getting one running back early on. And, you know, hopefully someone a little bit on the younger side than on the older side. Like, I guess th- this year in, in your league, you know, I, I took a, uh, uh, Sanders in the second round, but or third round, but um, yeah, no, I don't think uh, I don't I don't think I'll ever I ever will go zero running back strategy, and I, and for the most part, I think I will I think I'll be drafting multiple running backs early on. Uh, I I and, and again, I think uh, I don't think that many people are going to have enough roster spots to hold the handcuffs, so it's just, just going to become a battle on the waiver wire. And then I rather just have multiple players from from different teams. So, I mean, you know, if there's, if, there's a, if there's a chance that a running back on one team has COVID, I mean, you have a higher percent chance of the backup also having COVID because they're usually right next to each other in the same room, in the same uh, meeting rooms. 
uh, you know, carrying the same ball. So, um, yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather just have multiple running backs from different teams. Yeah, I, I think I think that's actually spot on for me. You know, dynasty, you take wide receivers and quarterbacks because of the longevity. In redraft, you want that that value now, and therefore, you know, for me, I have I have gone with the zero RB strategy in previous years. I think I did last year, and you know, I took not not saying zero RB, but for me, I think he's right. You know, you want to take at least one of those stud running backs if you can, if not two, in the first couple of rounds, and then fill out the rest of your roster from there. And that sort of leads then to some of these camp battles that you're going to get. I think one of the more obvious ones is probably going to be Keyshawn Vaughn versus Ronald Jones. So in a dynasty league, I think everyone's going to take Vaughn before Jones. But if you're in a redraft, uh, Chiggs, which way are you going, Jones or Vaughn? Uh, Jones. You're going Jones, yeah? Paul? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too, actually. Okay, and Mo, Devonte Freeman. Devonte <laughs> Freeman. <laughs> he's getting signed with. He's getting signed with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Let's go, Freeman. So we'll we'll talk about some of the others then. So at, at the Rams, you've got Cam Akers, you've got um, Daryl Henderson, and you've got Malcolm Brown. Are you are you avoiding that altogether, or are you targeting any one of them? Yeah, I'm avoiding that that altogether. So was this in redraft, or this is redraft, a redraft now? Yeah. I just think that's too murky because, you know, if you think Malcolm Brown was still probably the the main backup behind Gurley last year, Daryl Henderson didn't really do too much. But, you know, they still took him in the third round. He still came with a bit of pedigree. I think he was the leading rusher of Memphis Memphis history, is it? So the guys obviously got some talent. um, And then they went and spent a second round pick on Cam Akers um, this year. So... I can see it being a bit of a committee there. Yeah, I think they. I think they. I think uh, they even mentioned it. It's going definitely going to be a committee there uh, starting off. I think Acres by far has the most talent on that uh, mm-hmm. on on that uh, uh, backfield. But um, yeah, in, isn't in that a always redraft, the case rookies I'm that. Isn't, Sorry, isn't Paul, was that? Case, sorry, isn't that always the case with rookies? Right? Yeah. You know, you'd nearly all. I think you or one rather would always you'd always sit there and think when you've got a kind of an unproven second year or third year running back the rookie always looks you know always looks shiny yeah i I do it i do it myself and you go oh had the other guy last year he was rubbish or you're not rubbish just not not what i wanted (laughs) this brand new guy coming through he's so good and you've seen him play in the you know different setup (laughs) <laughs> which is the why drafted in the second round in the NFL. The, the trouble you've got though is, you know, like so last year I took Jacobs and Sanders in a in a redraft league, and it didn't it didn't pan out for me because the first half of the season, you know, okay, Jacobs was okay, you know, he put up solid numbers, but nothing stellar. Sanders didn't really come on till late in the season, and by then he was on the waiver wire. Yeah, he was eating up a roster spot, not giving me any value, so. You know, I think people that draft, say, Jonathan Taylor in a redraft league in, in the third round, I think is where his ADP is, is going, um, are going to be very disappointed, I think, with the output he gives them, at least for the first part of the season. Different lens of question, then. Do you think it impacts more one style of running back to another? And I mean, does it impact more pass 
catching reliant running backs like CEH over your bruiser running backs like a Taylor or vice versa? Or do you think it's just the mere fact that they're rookies? I, I, th- I think you're right. It does depend on the style of running back it is. But, you know, one of the things we never really look at um, when we're playing fantasy football is running back's blocking ability, right? Because it doesn't contribute any points for us, but it's a massive part of their job and what keeps them on the field for all three downs. So when we talk about having a three-down running back, obviously you think about being able to run the ball and be able to catch it. There's a there's a third part, which is being able to block effectively and protect your quarterback on those plays. And then obviously not, being, not fumbling as well. I suppose that comes with the hands. But I think... Being a pass-catching running back generally tends to still, you know, you don't have this maybe the same blocking designation that you, you need to as a, as a bigger back. I mean, I, I could have that wrong, but maybe you know, maybe that sort of development alone in the playbook is a bit easier if you're you know if you're playing only on a few downs and your job is to split out and run into space. It's a bit easier, you know. And what yeah. one of the um players we've not really touched on much on this episode, but is DeAndre Swift, you know, top five to six mm-hmm. player in um, non-superflex um, after a couple of quarterbacks, but, you know, again, top six, seven in superflex leagues. What's your thoughts on him for redraft and keeper leagues specifically? I, I really like him in a keeper perspective. Um, I still think he's you know, he's one of the probably the most talented back in the class. But there with J.K. Dobbins, in my opinion, most exciting to watch. I think where's he going ADP? Got, though, do you know? Sorry, anyone know where he's going ADP? Twenty uh, eighth running back. Mm. Yeah, he's he's basically right after Mozart, Singletary, and Acres. He's before Hunt, Sony Michelle, Geis, Jordan Howard, uh, Ronald Jones. Yeah, so that's that's what I mean. Like in a keeper league, I think you, know, you can get really good value for him over a Jonathan Taylor or Ceh because because he is falling a lot later than those guys. But the problem you've got is that the Lions' rushing off um, rushing attack has not generally been pretty good under Matt Patricia, and you've still got Kerry and Johnson, who is still a very talented running back, just unfortunately can't stay healthy. And that was going to be the question of all the, you know, the big six, let's say, running back, C.E.H., Taylor, Swift, Dobbins, Akers and Vaughan. Is on the most likely back that you're going to handcuff with Swift over any of the others in terms of a handcuff strategy? Or is it more likely that you'd take Jones and Vaughan, for example, in a, in a redraft or keeper league? I think Swift and um, Johnson for me, actually. Yeah, and Mo. Any yeah, I would go. I would. I would just because of Carry On Johnson's injury history. Yeah, I would go with Swift and Johnson. So uh, who would you take first? It's it's less scary. The um, it's it's more likely that he's he, that Swift plays because Johnson's injured. Right, it feels like that. Right, you're not necessarily just waiting for it. It's a back. It's a kind of handcuff that could come through at any moment, and you'd expect to be be scoring be scoring scoring reasonable points at, at any opportunity. Whereas others, you're not quite sure when it's going to happen, and it's it's only going to happen when you get a hand over a little bit more. So, see, for me, I'm going to probably 
take the opposite view here. And I think it'll come down to value in terms of where they're going relative to each other. But I can still, I'll take Swift personally first, you know, where, where they're going. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if Carrion doesn't slide as much. Mm. Whereas I think you could get a better value with pairing Jones and Keyshawn Vaughan together. Because the problem you've got with the Lions is that it could end up being, you know, like it could with the Bucks or a very um, committee approach. You know, they've got two, definitely the Lions have got two talented backs there and neither of them win the job and neither get injured. So you're only, you're taking carry on after Swift on the basis that you think he's going to be the lead back at the start and Swift beats him out. So on, on I guess ranking wise, you have Swift ranked as a twenty eighth running back um, in most leagues, and uh, Carry On's forty first. If that changes anything, while Ronald Jones is thirty third, and Keyshawn Wan is thirty sixth. Oh, okay. Well, then, there there's a go. significant That's discrepancy right. between Swift and Carry On. See, I think in a redraft, my strategy would be to draft Johnson very late. And then um, just 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 wait until the player that owns Swift drops them. Yeah, yeah so. I, I think that's I think that's kind of a, a quite a likely thing to happen. As well, so, I think that's, that's you know people get hyped up and right. I mean, Joe, Jones went um, the second round pick, right? Uh, Ronald Jones was uh, yeah. third round, was he? I think second. Second. One second. second yeah. yeah. So we've focused a lot on running backs. Uh, we'll just have a chat about the other positions. So, again, we'll keep it on the basis of redraft slash keeper first. The fact that Joe Burrow is not going to get much of a you know, training camp, etc., is that going to scare you off? And let's say, for example, you're in a Superflex redraft league. Are you, are you going to still trust the talent of Joe Burrow? Or are you going to go for someone... You know, less desirable like a Jimmy G or a Kirk Cousins or a Tom Brady, for example. Definitely, I don't know how you can take them. I don't know how you can take the rookies in this year um, in Superflex. You know, if you can take one as a second, uh, as a second. I know Shiggs has done it with a tour, but I think it's, you know, it, it could pan out really well, but it's pretty risky. You're talking about you're draft, are we? That's yeah. dynasty, yeah, as it's asking. Yeah, sorry, no. it, it redraft, it would. I think it's really dangerous or really scary to do. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing, right? Like in in a redraft league, unless you're looking at a Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson, and even then, you know, wouldn't be reach for them. If you're playing in a one QB league, you're waiting on your quarterback. So you can even a twelve team league, you're picking up a veteran quarterback, Jared Goff. Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, whoever it is, late on, you don't need to gamble. You can probably pick up Joe Burrow later on as a um, second QB on the bench, you know. In a super flex league, I still think obviously, you know, your quarterbacks are naturally going to get pushed up, so Burrow's going to start and play and do well. But in a, yeah, in a redraft league, you should be gravitating towards your older veteran guys anyway, probably. What about rookie receivers? Is there anyone you're trusting from a receiver perspective for this year? So in a redraft keeper or even relying on as one of your starting weekly receivers in Dynasty this year? Uh, not, not for me. As See, a rookie, you can't. I don't think you can. In Dynasty uh, or any. To, 
you know, even if you think of the, who's the best, who's the best performing rookie wide receiver in the last few years. AJ Brown was last year. But yeah, that, that was the second half too. AJ Brown, I'd say DJ Moore probably. Yeah, I think DJ Moore's good, but it, you know, o- Odell right was took a little bit to get going. No, Odell was pretty awesome in his first year. I thought, but it wasn't for the first few first four weeks or something, wasn't it? Or am I am I getting that wrong? I might be getting that wrong. I mean, you're elite guys, right? So Michael Thomas, Odell, um, DJ Moore, um, AJ Brown showed it last year. You know, I think yeah. as you say, AJ Brown came on a bit later um, in the year. I think you're looking at guys who've got opportunity because um, AJ Brown really came on when Tannehill took over the reins, right? Uh, there. So if you're looking at the rookie receiver class. It's actually guys like Henry Ruggs and um, Jalen Rager who probably have the most opportunity to get touches early. Um, okay. So yeah, those two are probably the only ones. Maybe yeah. maybe also, what do you call Jefferson there with Minnesota. Yeah. And and even then, so I, I'm trying away from Justin Jefferson because I just don't think there's enough volume there to support you know the kind of numbers you want from him. Like, okay, you can get him in a dynasty league. Fair enough. But in a redraft league, for me, the two rookie receivers you're looking at are Ruggs and Rager. And I wouldn't be averse to taking either of those guys as my third or fourth receiver. If I can get them, you know, I'll, I'll be taking them over C.D. Lamb and uh, Jerry Judy for sure in a redraft league. Okay, so here's a question. You're in a PPR league in a redraft uh, capacity. Are you taking Michael Gallup or C.D. Lamb? I'll start with you, Mo. In a redraft with no keeper rules, um, completely oh, PPR. In a PPR, um, I'm taking Gallup. I think, um, yeah, I would take Gallup. I mean, yeah, I mean, most likely I'll go with different different team receiver, but out of those two, I'm taking Gallup in a heartbeat. Yeah, Paul, would you yeah, take Gallup same. or Lamb? Same. I just, I just don't like. I mean, I I don't like rookies generally. There's there are exceptions, but you know, generally I wouldn't want to take a rookie in a redraft. You want rookies for I probably I I don't think I'd take them enough in um, keepers either, because you just it's, I I always find they're hard to hang on to. It's easier if someone you know when they're they're just about to break out and they've showed some flair, but you've already fed up after having them for six or seven weeks and not getting any points, and you get a a half decent vet offered to you. It's, I find it hard to hang on to and not do the trade. See, for me, if you're looking at where they're going ADP, right? So Michael Gallup's seventy four. CD Lamb is 121. No, that's slightly different. That, that's slightly different. I, th- I thought we we're comparing them. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. If you're getting them that, if you're getting in that late, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take him. But, but you know, I, I'd always want the veteran. See, if they're sitting there and I'm getting them late on as my you know, bench depth, then I'm yeah. taking. I'm taking CD Lamb purely for the upside because I'm assuming I've got my starting roster. If someone goes down, I can probably mine the waiver wire to pick in, you know, pick up a couple of guys to to fill in. If Lamb pops, or if Amari Cooper goes down, or Gallup goes, you know, CD Lamb's value is going to be astronomical just because of the talent alone. You know, I think he's a much more talented receiver than Gallup. Sure, and um, Moa, I know again a player you've invested in in two leagues now, uh, Henry Ruggs. You think he's Starting from week one, uh, you know, you think they've brought him in as the first drafted receiver in the draft. So would you take someone like him 
or would you take a Hollywood Brown, for example, or even a Will Fuller? You know, th- those speedster type players, essentially. Um, I would take uh, I would take Hollywood Brown. I, I think he's gonna have a great he's gonna have a great year. But again, he's a number one wide receiver there with Baltimore. Uh, Fuller between Fuller and Ruggs, um, I I would be uh, I would I would be kind of hesitant there with Fuller. I would probably go with Ruggs. Um, I mean, normally, yeah, you would tend to go with the veteran. Um, but yeah, in, in, between within Fuller and Ruggs, I think it's a different story uh, altogether. Injury it, it, issues and so forth. But uh, Hollywood Brown and Ruggs, that's a no-brainer for me. That's Brown all the way. Mm. And it's interesting because on the expert consensus rankings uh, on Fantasy Pros, they've got Will Fuller as wide receiver 35 and Ruggs as 52. And in fact, Will Fuller, Ma- Marvin Jones, Hollywood Brown, they're all above the rookies, rookie receivers. Which I think makes sense. I think I think I think those rankings are uh, ideal because I mean, even in a non-COVID year, I mean, like like you, like everyone said, I mean, how many receivers really make it through? And like you know, it is not a, you know, you usually can find them on the waiver wire. No one really drafts rookie wide receivers, and um, I think I think this year rugs my rugs and Rager um, may be an exception. And I mean, I'm 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 talking like twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth, you know, fifteenth round or something, something very late. Uh, but yeah. So they're they're the kind of guys you're taking in a keeper league in your fifteenth rounds or something like. That. like I think I took Debo Samuel last year in a fifteenth round in a keeper league because if he pops, you've got a great value there, right? And as Mo says, you can you you can mine these guys on waivers easily. No one no one takes rookie wide receivers in a in a startup. Okay, yeah. so I think we've discussed. All the main positions there. We know this wasn't exactly a uh, great class for tight ends, so I don't think it's really worth asking rookie or veteran when it comes to tight end. But when it comes to keeper or redraft leagues, and we're talking veterans, do you think there are any that are being really undervalued and should be targeted higher than maybe where Sorry. they're going? Are oh, you cut out then? Sorry, who is it you said? I was saying, do you think there are any? veteran receivers that are being undervalued when it comes to redraft or keeper not necessarily dynasty that you'd be targeting just based on adp or even expert ranking see someone that i i really like um you can get late on as a wide receiver emmanuel sanders right Mm. he's quality player and he's going to one of the best offenses in the league with one of the best quarterbacks and best coaches in the league has We've got enough. him in our most recent draft. Um, don't, I mean, he obviously he's going to go late in a in a dynasty. Pretty sure, right? I'm pretty sure I got him. Oh, nice. A little humble brag there. Twenty twenty sixth round, yeah, for Minus yeah. in a in a yeah. dynasty league. But in a startup, he's exactly the kind of guy you take right for for bench depth. Powerful offense. He's definitely going to get targets because the only guy they've really got there is Michael Thomas and probably Jared Cook. Um, so he's he's going to get you points, you know. And then if Michael Thomas goes down, then suddenly you've got an absolute monster um, of value there. Yeah. Yeah, and a, a player I like, and I think he's perennially um, undervalued, is Julian Edelman. I think he offers, um, you know, even though Brady's not there and he was. Brady's best friend or favorite target. I don't think that situation is going to change much. The coaching staff is the same. Offensive coordinator is the same. 
he'll still be the slot guy. Yes, he's another year older, but I really like the value. I mean, his expert ranking is wide receiver 31. I've not looked at ADP, but he's another one that sticks out to me because um, I think con- considering this is redraft rankings, I think he'll finish better than wide receiver 31. Uh, I think Edelman in PPR should finish as a wide receiver too. Would you take Edelman at 31 or Nikola Harry at 57? Oh, Edelman, definitely. Yeah. I think he's a safer pick. The, the other guy for me um, is Brandon Cooks as well, right? I think, I think where you're going like to get Brandon him Cooks. is yep. fantastic. You know, I think in the, in the startup most likely uh, on him. Um, but he's going as wide receiver 36, ADP of 89. Uh, this, this guy is the starting wide receiver for the Texans. As in, the, you know, he's basically um, replacement where, nuke. So, where would you guys have Cooks or versus Edelman? Who do you think? Like, who do you think? Uh, who will finish higher? Oh, Cooks for me. And I think I think if the, I think Cooks is ranked. I think Edelman ranked thirty-one. Cooks is thirty-six. Yeah, I think Cooks is higher for yeah. sure. Personally, I take Cooks over that just because of the, the quality of the quarterback. It, to be honest, that's, I was just hoping because yeah, that that was what I saw. Because Edelman is ranked higher, right? Or yeah. is going higher. And I was hoping one of you guys would uh, put a little fat bet that I could have Cooks. <laughs> Never mind. I, I'll offer that up to one of you, seeing as you're Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, 55. I'll take Edelman over Cooks in um, okay. PPR. PPR. Yep. Okay. Right, which, uh, which, which league are we talking? IDP or. Uh, yeah, or, do it to IDP because you know, we haven't had that many fab bets ever. Yeah, that's, yeah fine. that's fine. We'll do it in the IDP. I mean, that's a PPR for receivers anyway. So. Um, Minimum what? Minimum games or uh, twelve as normal. Can, sure. can I get on this action too? Another fifty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Go on then. I'll give two right. of you, two of you odds. Yeah. See, but but that's the thing, right? You know, these. So for me, this is the kind of value you're really going to get from. Wait, you know, you you talk about zero RB. You can go zero wide receiver. Load up heavily on running backs and tight ends at the start of your draft. You know, maybe you go with. Zeke and Travis Kelsey in your first two rounds, pick up like a, a Miles Sanders or a, and someone in the third round, do that. And then you end up with um, Julian Edelman and Brandon Cooks as your two starting wide receivers. That's pretty solid. Mm. And there's also going to be other disrespected players like T.Y. Hilton. Uh, I'm sure yeah. his ADP will be far oh, lower yes. than what the expert rankings are. Um, you know, he is still the... Core of that uh, T.Y. Hilton in a redraft is 52nd wide receiver 23. So I think he'll outperform that ranking. But as I say, the value, like you say, for um, Brandon Cooks, a wide receiver 36 is just criminal. Get yeah. on 31. Mm. Um, Stefan Diggs is wide ranked wide receiver 27. Right. I, I know Josh Allen isn't the most accurate of quarterbacks, but he's never had a talent like Stefan Diggs to throw to. You know, this is the main guy, a very talented wide receiver. So, you know, again, if he's your wide receiver one, he's being ranked a wide receiver 27. Yeah, not even a wide receiver two. So I know this has been focused more on the redraft side of things. I think that's where your strategy really changes when it comes to the situation we're going through, particularly with... Uh, change of IR rules or lack of training camp, um, et cetera. So um, any any strategies you'd like to share, um, you know, from a redraft perspective in light of the fact we've got a draft uh, in just over a week? 
take uh, Shane Steeh in the first round and uh, Jonathan Taylor <laughs> in the second and uh, CeeDee Lamb in the third. <laughs> and don't that forget, it goes against what you've been saying all episode, though. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, we know that um, in our redraft league, um, Dan's going to take Aaron Rodgers with the first the overall first. pick. <laughs> Terrifying. And then Cam Newton probably in the second. Um, yeah, look, I, I think it's it's going to be a weird year. You know, it's mm. going to be there's going to be a lot more sort of fluidity than I think we've previously seen. I just think you know you're just being able to man, you know, just being nimble and trading, mining the waiver wire, just kind of reacting. You you probably have to be a little bit more aggressive if some of your players do get COVID and you know. You, you're in with a shot. I think you have to be a little bit more aggressive to get guys that can tie you over. And you may have to let people go that you just don't want to. You know, yeah. it's a bit on the basis that you have to, but so will others. Or yeah. So should others. So it's it's hard. It's hard to. But three games is a big chunk. It's um, you know, it's particularly particularly if someone's not ill. I'm I'm excited about this podcast here going into the season. I think the waiver wire is gonna gonna win. Uh, this year, more than any other, any prior year, the waiver wire is going to win your championship. I think I, w- I would say usually, what would you say? A draft, what cons- you know, consists of what maybe makes up sixty percent of your final roster. Waivers for me is actually what wins your league. You know, you, I, you yep, could I agree. You can lose your draft. You can lose your league in your draft if you draft badly, but you don't win it. You don't win it. You don't come out of the draft and go right. This is the fifteen players I've, tra- I've drafted this year. I'm done. I've now won the league. It's those, it's mining the waiver wire, picking up those guys, playing the matchups. Yeah, and as you say, that's going to be even more key this year. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's a lovely and, way uh, to uh, to help. Well, I was going to say one last question that I just sort of thought of: Are, are you taking hotspots for COVID in consideration at all? No. So Florida and Texas come to mind. Are you? Is that putting you off Buccaneers or Dolphins, Cowboys or Texans players at all? Not at all, because if you the, you got to compare how many people they're testing. I mean, it's a I think it's a lot longer conversation. But that you, 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 uh, have you seen how many people have got it in Texas compared to how, and how many people have died in it within Texas when you compare it to the UK? It's just the the way the way they're they're measuring it. I think is very different. Um, and I think the difference is here. I think there's as many people in most places have got it. The uh, may, maybe the one difference maybe is somewhere like New York, where it's really highly, uh, highly, po- de- very densely populated. But I don't, I, I don't think the the hotspots that are coming up as hotspots are relevant more than the amount of testing they're doing genuinely. I, I agree. Right, that was a. Fun episode as we get into redraft and um, keeper league season. I think we've all done our dynasty drafts or rookie drafts, etc. now. So it's well and truly the lead up to keeper season um, and more of a focus on offense, well, keeper and redraft season. So um, that's it from me. So that's me signing out. Chigs? Cheerio. Paul? Keep safe, all. And Mo? Giddy up.